Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, your source for all the news and views about the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney. I'm not Matt Rossi. Matt Rossi was in a, unable to be with us today, so I'm taking over for hosting. And I sort of know what I'm doing and I'm kind of coherent. I don't know. I just got back from BlizzCon yesterday. I'm still tired. But I've got two wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's here all the time. That would be our editor-in-chief, Alex Zebart. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going after this wonderful BlizzCon we had? I am tired. I am so tired right now. Yeah, tired. Uh, nothing. I could think, you know, kind of. Computers don't want to work. Equipment doesn't want to work. Uh, but we're here because it's what we do. Yeah, I'm currently on my headset mic because my condenser mic is not functioning. And I haven't determined the source of that issue. Anyway, that's besides the point. We also have another co-host with us today since Rossi couldn't be here. We asked Mitch. Hey, Mitch, how's it going? Hello. It's it's going. When did you get back? Did you get back yesterday? Or? I got back last night. Yeah. Last night. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're still like riding that whole, hey, no sleep kind of wave, huh? That, among other things. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a slow day for me. So this was your first BlizzCon. It was. What did you think now that it's all over with? I thought it was, one, it was awesome. Two, way too short. There were demos I wanted to play, panels I wanted. I, there's like all the wow news. I still need to go look up the recaps because I was at different panels during the time of some of those panels. Well, the good um, news is, the good news is with your ticket, you got the virtual ticket and you can yeah, still go exactly. back and watch panels on the virtual ticket for, I think it's like another week or two. Do you remember, Alex? It, it might even be longer than that. I don't know. Uh, it's not indefinitely no it's not but i mean by that point they'll be on youtube right um fine yeah uh yeah so there was so much stuff i did and so much more stuff i wanted to do um and even showing up early you know hanging out with like you and maticus and rochelle and all those people on wednesday night um it it just felt like i could have done a lot more provided more days um it was i mean it was great it was a blast i just there was so much to do um we had a breakfast topic on you know do you want three days of blizzcon absolutely i would love more because so much to do you you also survived a road trip with Anne successfully how was that for you it was fun (laughs) it was was everything you were expecting and more it was i saw so much desert (laughs) <laughs> so much so much desert so much sand all right uh so yeah moving on to the news i guess that actually that's a good thing to start out with because you were just talking about it there was like there were there were hints provided towards maybe a possible third day of blizzcon next year i heard i heard about this i didn't actually see where that happened i just i think it was just like a few um, people were being alex do you know yeah, I did not catch it on the virtual ticket, but from what I have gathered from all of the people discussing this is that nobody at Blizzard was like, yes, we're doing three-day BlizzCon, but one of the hosts on the virtual ticket was like, is it you know, is it possible that BlizzCon could go three days? You know, you have so much stuff. And Frank Pierce said, we're going to start talking about that next week in kind of a joking way. Yeah. So uh, it could be a thing. It could just be like, the host trying to get something juicy out of Frank Pierce. Well, and I also know that when they when they started the whole opening ceremony thing, they were talking about how that expansion was being built on the convention hall and how they wanted right. to fill that too. Um, 
And it seems to me that if they had more space like that, number one, they could get more people in, so more attending attending people, more tickets available. And, and number two, it feels like with this as many franchises as they have, as many IPs as they have currently, because they've got you know Warcraft, Diablo, Starcraft, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch. I'm missing one. Hearthstone. They've got <laughs> they've got all of these games now. When they first started BlizzCon. It was just Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, correct? It, yeah. I don't. I mean, they had those games, but they didn't like really have any. I think Diablo and Starcraft. I don't even know how much they actually had announced for those. Oh, well, I mean, oh yeah, during, the first BlizzCon. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for the first BlizzCon, I don't know, but during BlizzCon's lifetime, we had Starcraft two and Diablo three. Yeah, so there certainly yeah. was stuff for those games. But they did go very heavily on World of Warcraft, which is uh, not so much the case now. Well, there was the what opposite, in fact. Two or three WoW panels, period, this year? I mean, if if there's not a WoW expansion coming out, the WoW news is kind of minimal, to be fair. It was pretty hefty this year. Yeah, they did pack a lot into those panels. So, yeah, Yeah. there is that. But, yeah, um, without an expansion announcement, it's kind of like a quiet sort of thing. Uh, But as far as that goes, do you think that it could potentially go to a third day i feel like they have enough content and stuff that they could it totally could and like one of the things that i was doing a lot of times there was just watching the esports stuff which i know people are really like yes or no on the esports aspect but because it's such a huge focus of blizzcon and because there definitely is that audience for it i think um esports alone could be spread out over more days like it already goes before the convention starts but like the finals even spread it out over more days or just have a day for esports something i mean it's you almost have two different sides of blizzcon the blizzcon side and the esports side it would be nice if the esports finals didn't all run up to the closing ceremony and the concert yeah yeah because i i I missed (laughs) the concert because i was watching the heroes finale right and we were doing the same thing like you have we really had to make that choice between the Heroes Finals or the concert. I'm like, well, I kind of want to know who wins these finals while it's happening as opposed to, like, watching it three days later or whatever. Yeah. And I wanted to watch Weird Al, but at the same time, the hero stuff that was going on was pretty dang fascinating oh, right up until yeah. the end, so... <laughs> yeah, so it, it was... I would like it if they had the room to finish all those events before the concert. I feel yeah. like I feel like it's something they need to look into. And even if they were kind of joking about it, I really hope that they are actually looking into it. Um, other news. Well, we haven't got like a lot of news like post-BlizzCon. All we can really talk about is the BlizzCon news. And we covered a bunch of that on our BlizzCon bonus episode where we you know, went over what happened on day one. Day two, I think, was primarily we had a lot of the Q&As that happened. Yeah. On Saturday. Yeah. Was there anything from those that stood out to you guys more than anything else? Class uh, notes, they, I guess. They seem so far away now. I know. And it was only a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's, it's always really hard for me to remember what was all even said during the Q&As because it's like 20 questions of mostly useless stuff. Then they'll drop like a piece of news in there and you can't remember if it came from the Q&A or from elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, I honestly I don't know if the class mounts thing was a Q&A or not. I don't think it was. I think it was on the I don't what's think next. It was, it was on the what's next. Yeah, right? it was on the yeah. what's next. And yeah. that was actually we discussed that already. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. It's okay. You just got back, so did I. I'm pretty sure there was something 
in the Q&A that was good, but I don't remember what it was. There was a bunch of stuff in the Q&A that was pretty interesting. Again, these are all things I need to go back and look at because I didn't see yeah. all of them. I do know that, let's see, we have things up on the PTR today, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the Wow PTR? Yeah. Is 7.1.5, is that up today? I, I think they were planning on doing it sometime this week i don't know if it actually went up today or not okay all right um that is actually they are headed into that fairly quickly 7.1.5 is going to be on the ptr real soon once that's done with the ptr and released then 7.2 is going to be on the ptr what do you guys think of this whole accelerated schedule as far as always having something up on the ptr this was something that they did talk about it's cool but overwhelming um like i I would rather be overwhelmed than in a content drought, though. That's that's my like, you know, overall stance is that I would rather have content there than no, not at all. Yeah, I think uh, if I was just playing the games, I think I would be in love. As somebody who also has to cover the games, I think it's going to quickly become very exhausting. But that's better than there just being nothing. It's a lot of material to cover, but that's okay because yeah. it gives us a lot of things to write about, which right. yeah. I kind of appreciate. Um. I think what I find interesting here is that with something always on the PTR, it means that regardless of where you are in game, if you're playing on live and you're getting kind of bored or you think you've got nothing to do on live, there's always going to be a PTR to hop to yeah, with yeah. new stuff on it to try out and test and see what's going on with it. And I find that that that's, man, that's jamming a lot of content in there. I and- don't think they're going to run out of anything anytime soon. And they have a lot of PTR stuff going in general, like not just WoW. I mean, WoW, it hasn't hit PTR yet, 7.1.5, but Sombra went up on the PTR right after BlizzCon. Right. Uh, Varian is on the PTR for Heroes of the Storm right after BlizzCon. Is Ragnaros or just Varian? Just Varian. Rag, I think they said, is releasing sometime in December. And I mean, if Varian's on there right now, he'll probably come out next week. Okay. And then like three weeks from that or so, it'll be Rag. So Varian on the PTR, Varian goes live sometime after that, Ragnaros on the PTR, Ragnaros live, and then presumably yep. we get other new heroes announced or whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's usually yep. like one week of PTR and then three weeks until the next hero or something like that, three to four weeks. Now with Sombra on the PTR for Overwatch, do we also have like the new maps and stuff that they were talking yes. about? Yes, uh, which... Again, those maps are something I have to kind of take a look at. I got a little more idea of them at BlizzCon, but there's, I think, two, and one of them is a smaller 3v3, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, those are both on there as well, plus the new arcade mode. Quick Match is, you know, now the new limit one hero per side or something like that. It's, yeah, you can't, you aren't going to be able to do a team of full yeah, yeah, anymore do, or, full, the, or full maze. <laughs> yeah, like one of each hero or I don't know how the correct word is. There's not going to be you know any I mean. Winston brigades hopping over the landscape. That's actually something. They, now, they are going to keep that capability in. It's just you're not going to be able to use it in that mode. Yeah. Yeah. So if people were wondering, oh, no, how am I going to do all my precious hijinks? You'll still be able to do them. It's just going to be in a different spot. Um this is presumably to kind of avoid that sort of thing from affecting rankings and stuff. Am I correct? I, I think it's to... It's to keep it fair. It, it's to get people also probably more in line with competitive play. Like, Heroes right. of the Storm did this at one point. Um, they they made it so it was unranked draft mode, which meant okay. you were still going through the draft. You were banning heroes. It was, you know, 
if one side got a hero, the other side couldn't get that hero. Okay, so this and is for quick play, so it doesn't affect like ranked play it or doesn't anything like no, that. No, but it's it's this, in that same vein where Heroes of the Storm kind of made an effort to bridge the gap between casual players and competitive players. This is sort of doing the same thing. It's preparing you for that mindset of okay, someone took Reaper, I can't also take Reaper. I have to choose somebody else. Okay. That makes sense, though. I'm kind of glad that they're doing that because I can imagine that jumping from, you know, quick play into ranked mode was a pretty jarring experience for a lot of people. And hero stacking in general, off some comps just had really negative consequences that they probably want to eliminate in quick play, too. Like, yeah. There's, you know, uh, I don't know if it's still effective. Once upon a time, the infinite, infamous, like, five Winstons and Lucio on Hanamura for the first point. It's like, what do you do about that? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, maybe people you have fry. learned. How to, That's what you do. <laughs> maybe people have since learned how to counter that. But for a while, it was like a guaranteed way to get that first point. If your team is really cheesy. Um, I, I don't, like I said, I have not played enough recently to know if people have figured that out, but it was not very fun. And they eliminated that kind of thing for, competitive but they hadn't for quick play but now they have for quick play okay well i'm thinking it's probably going to work out a lot better this way honestly when they were explaining it during blizzcon on the one hand you kind of went ah because there's so many good videos out there of people doing these kind of wacky hijinks but on the other hand you kind of want to keep things fair yeah it's not really fun it's fun to do it's not fun to play against it's yeah it's fun it's fun to carry out not so much fun to experience from the other side unless you're just like awestruck at the waterfall of winston's and hanamura or whatever then Um, again if your team if you get four people who all want to play hanzo maybe it's not very fun to play either no (laughs) yeah but at least this will keep things a little bit more fair i think and i think that's what they were going for with that it it also might kind of encourage people to branch out like in the old model if you the game is built around, you know, switching your composition up to counter the enemy team, but with not having a hero restriction, someone could be like, no, I'm a Reaper main. I'm going to stick with Reaper all the time, no matter what. See, now they're kind of they, that... they kind of have to get used to if someone else gets Reaper first, maybe trying another hero. Yeah. And that's part of the fun of Overwatch. And that's part of the thing that makes Overwatch a little more unique is that you have the ability to swap, you know, in the middle of a game, you could swap to somebody else and yeah. that's fine, but it kind of encourages you to do that. And if you just focus on one character, if you focus on one main, you're not going to have a very good time. I mean, you might have a good time. You may be the best Reaper player ever, but it's all about the, the experiencing. The second someone takes that character from you. Yeah, it's all about experiencing. There's this wide variety of characters to play. You know, just because you're good yeah. with Reaper, it doesn't mean that you're going to be terrible with everybody else. Expand your horizons. Try out different heroes. All the of them have time, neat, fun things. The first time things. I tried Anna, I, or Anna. Anna. Uh, yeah, first time I tried Anna, I was like, holy crap, this is the most fun I've ever had as a support. Like, <laughs> amazing. Because she's just different, but like... She's kind of like that overlap between sniper and support. Yeah. Which is uh, neat. And it, it was fun, though, because, like, support's not something I usually do because I'm not entirely confident being a Mercy or, like, a Symmetra. But Anna, you know, I gave her a try. It was awesome. But You're good at shooting with Anzo. I know that. Yeah. And Anna's kind of the same thing. You shoot people, only you shoot them full of life. <laughs> yes. 
which is kind of counterproductive. Anyway, we do have some emails to do today, but before we do those, Alex, did you want to talk about Loot Crate? Sure. Uh, if you love nerd swag, you can head over to lootcrate.com slash BW and enter the code BW to save $3 off any new subscription. We got our hands on this month's crate, and Anne actually has it on hand. Do you want to tell us what's in it this month? I do. I have it in my hands currently, actually. And it isn't this month's crate. It's last month's crate. This is October's crate. Right, October. <laughs> Halloween-themed, right? We're, yeah, it's actually – it's it's Halloween and kind of like horror movie-themed down to the box itself. Um, I don't right. know if you guys are familiar with Loot Crate or not, but usually what happens is you get this plain black box that's sent to you. And when you open the box, if you turn it inside out, there's usually something special that you could do with it. This October was no exception because there's a zombie mask in the box. The box itself is the mask. You just punch it out and then they give you a string to put on it so that you can wear a zombie face for Halloween. Of course, you know, Halloween's long over, but if I want to terrify my nephews, the option is <laughs> still there. Um, I and don't then it think also, there's an expiration date on zombie masks. No, there's not. Uh, no, there was a bunch of stuff. There was a bunch of cute stuff in the crate itself, though. Um, there was a leather f leather face plushie from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and there was like two variants that you could get. You could get a happy one or a sad one. I have sad leather face. Um, he doesn't squeak or anything when you squeeze him, but he's very soft and very plushy. There's also uh, Pennant. The Pennant is from Camp Crystal Lake from Friday the 13th. There was <laughs> a Walking Dead t-shirt that's actually pretty cool. It looks like a baseball uniform kind of t-shirt um, with the, the Sluggers logo on it. And then um, I got Nightmare on Elm Street. They're chopsticks, but they look like Freddy's glove. Wow. From Nightmare. I mean... <laughs> So do you wear the chopsticks? No, no, no. You use them to like eat with, I'm assuming, because it's just like it's a tiny little Freddy's hand is like this tiny little thing and the oh, okay. chopsticks are sticking out from it. So like, I don't know. See, I, was... I haven't opened it entirely yet because I just opened this box. I just got back from BlizzCon yesterday and I was like, oh, there's a loot crate here for me. It was pretty great. See, um, as you described this, I was imagining like you put on a glove and all of your fingers are chopsticks. No, no, no. Stabbing your food. Okay. It's like his hand and he's doing the peace sign thing. And Edward two chopsticks. Oh, okay. hands. His two fingers have like the steel spikes coming out so you can use them as chopsticks. It's kind of gross, but fun. But my favorite thing out of the script right i mean all of this stuff was really cool my favorite thing though there's a book in here and this is the first time i've ever gotten a book in the loot crate before and it's called the legion of regrettable supervillains loot crate edition and this is by john morris and it highlights it's the 50 strangest supervillains in the history of comics so it goes through like golden age silver age you know modern age and basically explains like these weird 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 supervillains that have popped up over time uh let's see reefer king is in here there is animal vegetable mineral man yes this is a person who did exist <laughs> and then there's also the generic man <laughs> those are just okay. like, a few of them um but it goes through and, like I said, it explains their history and where they showed up in the comics and what exactly their purpose was and why they disappeared, how they were vanquished. It's a really cool book. Like, I really appreciate that they sent us a book this time because usually it's just the T-shirt and you get a toy. You maybe get, like, some swag to hang around your house or whatever. You don't necessarily get books all that often. So I that was pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen the Regrettable Superheroes book, and it was great. So the Regrettable Supervillains is probably just as great. It's weird. There's some weird <laughs> stuff in here. <laughs> okay. 
Well, uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, that's that's kind of what you would find in a loot crate. Uh, you can't get the October crate anymore. Well, they actually sell older crates if they still have the stuff available, so you can check that out on loot crate and still... And they might have some of those items left. Yeah, they sell the individual items from the old crates now. If you missed something and you want to go back and get it, you can look on their website and possibly pick it up. Yeah, but if you want to get November's crate, you can head over to lootcrate.com BW, enter the code BW, and that'll save you $3 off your subscription. Uh, if you want like a super-sized crate, you can also sign up for Loot Crate DX. Uh, if you specifically are interested in fashion or clothes, they have loot wear. They have different options. You can go to their vault, get stuff you might have missed. If you really want Freddy Krueger chopsticks or whatever, <laughs> they probably still have those for purchase individually. Uh, and that's, you can only start, if you sign up now, you can get November's Loot Crate. October, the vault, November, you can still do that. I feel when like they I... usually come during the month? Do you guys know? They usually come near the end of the month. It's usually near the end of the month. Because the last day that you usually have to sign up for those is the 19th. Okay. Month. And then um, after that, they're no longer available, but they usually mail them out. Like I said, end of the month, last week of the month or so. Um, the other thing to ch- watch for on Loot Crate, besides, you know, the Loot Crate DX and everything else, sometimes they will do specialty Loot Crates. Last year, I got a Mass Effect Loot Crate that was phenomenal and had the best stuff in it. All of it was Mass Effect themed. And I don't even remember like the total value of everything in that crate. But I got like an N7 hoodie. I got shot glasses. I got socks. I got, I got, I got wow. all kinds of, yeah, I got all kinds of swag in that thing. And it was what's, all Mass Effect themed. What's, because they're signing up for, they would be signing up for November's crate. What is the theme for November? November's theme is magical. And it's actually, you know, due to the movies and stuff that are coming out this month. There's basically, You've got, what do you got? You got Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. So the the crate itself involves, it's basically November's crate featuring bewitching items. You get stuff, like I said, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them, Big Trouble in Little China, and a bunch more. You never know what kind of random stuff they're going to throw in there because they'll give you the theme. This, theme this, this month's theme is magical. They'll give you that theme, and then they'll just kind of go with it. Okay, so magic, wizardry, that kind of thing. Magic, wizardry, witchcraft, that sort of thing. And again, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe for November's Crate. After that, they're no longer available. So you kind of want to make sure that you sign up immediately. Use it or lose it. Yeah, you want to use it or lose it. And if you go to lootcrate.com slash blizzardwatch and enter the code BW. Slash BW. Yeah. Lootcrate.com slash BW. Oh, slash BW, not Blizzard Watch. I'm sorry. Um, you entered the code BW and you can save $3 off of any new subscription. Okay. Well, let's hop into those emails. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the email. So uh, our first email comes from Winterwolf at Dothramar, who uh, has, apparently he's been a patron since February of 2015. Thanks, Winterwolf. And he says, hello, watchers. Do you feel that too much content in Legion is gated behind running five-player dungeons? I don't run a lot of five-player dungeons at the moment for a variety of reasons, mostly because I don't have a lot of uninterrupted playtime. At launch, Legion seemed to offer a smorgasbord of content, the leveling, the order hall campaigns, the Light's Heart story, the profession quests. It was almost overwhelming. But eight weeks in without running dungeons, it seems that most of that content is off the menu. For alts, I'm limited to going through the leveling zones and doing world quests instead of seeing the additional content that I'd like to see. What do you think? Keep up the good work. He also says, bonus question, how happy was Anne to see that Fjorn's goggle shirt on stage at BlizzCon? Anne was over the moon. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, um, thank you, Paul Cubit. <laughs> that was really yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank you, Paul Cubit. Thank you, everybody who purchased the shirt afterwards. That was awesome. Yeah. We didn't expect to bring that shirt back. No. Uh, it just kind of <laughs> happened. It, yeah. Uh, it, so many people signed up to pre order the thing in case we ran another campaign. It just ran another campaign. It, uh, it just did it. We relaunched it. You guys did yeah. that. So, uh, the you. people who wanted to buy it relaunched it rather than us pushing a button. So yeah. uh, thank you for that. Yeah. As for five player content, I mean, on one hand, I'm really sensitive to people who don't have a lot of time to play or prefer playing solo. Like, I get that. I have a lot of trouble doing group content as well. That's me. You know, that's that's how I operate, generally speaking. I don't really care for doing dungeons just because I don't have a lot of time to dedicate to them. Yeah, but on the other hand, like, as somebody who has trouble doing, like, more difficult group content these days and finding groups for that stuff, it's also an MMO. And the whole idea is that you play with other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, this... I think I am the opposite end of the spectrum as Anne, and you're kind of in the middle, Alex. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, they you're are making it You're in a guild who does all that stuff, Mitch. <laughs> yes, I that and that's fair. Like, I specifically went to a server with, like, a conglomerate of ten guilds that are constantly able to run things. So, there's that. Um, but, one, they are making a few things easier in 7-2, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, we, and we we did talk about this, but like Arcway, Court of Stars aren't going to be locked. Um, it's also I think unlocked on your whole account. Uh, maybe something like that. Karazhan's going to be queuable. Um, and I do sort of like that approach where it, there is a little bit of gating in five mans. Um, it's not like you had to run every single five man in the game, at least as far as I'm aware. I mean, maybe overall you did, but uh, with the group finder, um. It's pretty easy to find a group. I know there are a lot of people who are kind of anxious about that, but again, it is an MMO. The groups are out there if you look. Uh, and two, the difficulty is actually not that bad. It's myth basic level mythic is tuned to Warlord's Heroic. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... I, I understand people being anxious about it, but I also think... It's it's not as bad as a lot of people expect. Um, I understand group anxiety and all that, but it's an MMO and it's it's not going to be as bad as you think. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I find it kind of interesting that back in Wrath of the Lich King, everybody was pretty much conditioned to stand, you know, stand around, talk in trade chat or whatever and, and find a group like you, you actively looked for people to add to your group and then blizzard introduced this group finder tool to expedite that process and do that automatic matching for you right yeah but in doing so they've kind of conditioned people to the point where they're kind of unwilling to talk to people or pipe up or ask for that whole like hey if, we if need a tank for queue. a mythic yeah if you can't queue for it they're like oh, i don't know if i want to talk to people well when yeah, talking and... to people used to be the <laughs> entire game you know yeah, and like the group finder too, you don't necessarily have to talk to people. You just have to kind of put into the search, I want to run this. And if, you know, if they're looking for your role, you can run it. You can stay quiet the whole run if you really want to. Um, it, it is interesting. And like I said, I do feel sympathetic towards people. But uh, I think I think people are imagining this huge hurdle using the group finder or running Mythic Dungeons. And it's it's not actually as bad as people think. Um, yeah, so I, I'm okay with a little bit of gating the the way they're doing it. 
Yeah, I'm like when it's five man content and it's accessible five man content, you know, even as somebody who has a harder time finding opportunities to do this stuff, if it's a five man, like, I, I can do that. Like it's not going to take that long. I mean, it's still trouble when you have completely interrupt. Like if any, if something could come up at any moment, then even if it's like a 25 minute dungeon run, that's still kind of a risk. It, it, it can be, but I'm more okay with five man gating than say raid gating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, and if there's raid gating, I, you know, I'm there's LFR, which is is more annoying than it is intimidating. I think. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just kind of a hassle, but I mean, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to go in. It's not hard to complete wings or anything like that. I went in, did Emerald Nightmare. It was great. Yeah. I mean, it was probably about the most idiot proof easy mode mode ever of, of doing anything <laughs> but at the same time i got to see the raid i got to see the stuff in it i caught the pet at the end of it i Which got is the exact point of lfr is to yeah just I see it got the pet got to see everything and i was fine with that i was content with that i'm not really looking for gear upgrades and progression and more 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 so much right now as i am just to experience things and play through it and if i have to wait a little longer to play through all of it okay well then so be it you know yeah. i don't i don't have the time to do rating anymore i just don't yeah and i think <laughs> I used you know to. don't there's, anymore. there's another aspect of the question that like it, it's, it's a little bit ironic not n- nothing against the question asker but like i think it's almost more okay to have gating considering all of the, the smorgasbord of content we had at the start like if it you was only yourself yeah if it was only five-man content gating then you know that would kind of suck but there's just so much to do in legion and like if you've burned through all of that stuff then five-man content gating is what's going to be left but if there's five-man content gating and all of that stuff i mean there's a whole lot of options out there so if if it was just five man content gating, yeah, it might be a little little more questionable. But because of all of the content we have available, I think it's okay to sprinkle that in. I mean, there's something for everyone. I, and I've kind of just as as a personal my my personal view on this, I've kind of decided that if I reach the point where I can never do group content or I never have time to hang out with my friends in the game, I should probably not be playing an MMO like. That sucks to hear because, like, I, you know, I've been playing WoW for so many years and I have so many ties to it. But if I genuinely reach the point where I can't run dungeons or I can't do any group content or I don't have time to hang out with any of my friends, I might as well be playing a single player game that doesn't have a subscription. Yeah. That's well, just how, that's just where I am. Mastered, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've played Skyrim so much, it's boring now. I know. Oh, I devoured that game when it first came out. It sucked my soul away for so long. Anyway, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Who knows? Oh, oh, oh yes. I can't wait. Anyway, yeah, uh, did you guys see the trailer? Show. The trailer was. Great. I haven't anyway. yet. I, I'm about to watch it right after this. Okay. All right. Right now. No. All don't. right. No. Not right now. <laughs> right now, we're gonna go to the next email. Muting okay. Skype. <laughs> so, uh, next email is from Neru, a level 110 rogue, guarantor. What up, rogue? from a fellow rogue, who says, Dear Blizzard Watch podcast crew, in the recent Warcraft Q&A during BlizzCon, it was stated that Madan, being the Guardian, is now no longer canon. Can we just take a moment to pause from this email? And I just, I want to express my joy at that sentence, (laughs) that sentence being stated. It's it's not that Madan himself is not canon entirely, just that him is the Guardian. But still, still, it's a major win. 
It's Major a step win. forward. It's a step forward. Anyway, yeah. um, moving on with the email. Since Madan being guardian was the reason that H1 died as she gave life to help him, and now that reason no longer exists, does that mean H1 is alive now? What do you think of the idea that the reason Jaina is still is gone is that she went to go seek advice from H1? Uh, Anne, I'll let does, you lead off with this one. That does one. complicate things, doesn't it? It does. And the, the thing is, is whenever they strike things from the record canonically, as far as that goes, um, you can pretty much assume that what they said isn't canon is exactly what isn't canon. And in this case, it's Madan being guardian. That is not canon. The rest of the events surrounding him becoming guardian and the rest of the people involved in that process, we don't know. We don't, they're in flux right now, but for the moment, we have to assume that those are still correct and that age one is still dead. Why? Because they haven't said otherwise. Um, yeah, if if they had said like, yeah, Madana's Guardian's not canon, which means age one's alive. I mean, you know, it could easily be an oversight on that part, but at the same time, you sort of have to go with that assumption. That yeah, you don't unless they say it. Just assume yeah, it's still there. So you could probably just assume that Aegwyn died helping him for some other purpose no no you don't even need to assume that much you just say Ajwin died she is dead that is still established as canon because the only thing that was taken off record as not being canon anymore madan is no longer he was not a guardian okay that's it end of story just that everything else that happened in that comic up in the air right now but for the moment we need to assume that that's canon until they state otherwise now, because if you start going in that hole, well, wait, if he wasn't a guardian, then that means this didn't happen and this didn't happen and this other thing didn't happen. And then you go down this silly rabbit hole of trying to determine you're going to have a tinfoil hat. It's it's no, it's more like, you know, a butterfly ripple effect and trying to determine yeah. what that is based off of one statement made by a developer at a panel. Theoretically, Basically, take what that developer said at face value. Madan wasn't a guardian. Okay, we've got that. Let's just leave it at that. The rest of this, it'll be established over time. If there were any other, if there were any other rippling, lasting implications from that, they will be discussed over time. Yes. Um. If if you know they come out and say Adrian hasn't died, um, it would be cool to see Jaina go getting advice. But I still am in the camp that says I really hope Jaina has gone to the culturists and we get something from them. And I that's- think. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I mean, if Adrian is still alive, I'd be kind of delighted because I think it'd be kind of cool if she was still alive. But the problem with that is she would be thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years old by now. And I don't know. Well, okay, maybe not thousands and thousands, but she'd be very, very (laughs) old right now. She extended her life magically as a guardian and lived well beyond any point that any human being should have remained alive like she she artificially extended her life through magic and most of that was expended on medivh and saving medivh um i know in what was that book uh i'm trying to remember the name of the book alex you know the name of the book you had a million copies of it at one point in time cycle of hatred cycle of hatred yes in cycle of hatred see that's all i had to mention <laughs> yeah i couldn't remember what you're talking about until you said i had a million copies of it at one point it was like oh yeah that, that one thing. that one yeah okay so in cycle of hatred age one was first introduced like Jaina just sort of encountered her randomly at a house in the barrens away far away from anyone in existence and um 
you know, she went so far as to say that she didn't really have that much power left and she was starting to show her age, but she was, she was much older than she was supposed to be. So who knows what she'd look like now or what she'd be up to now? Don't know. But I mean, all we can do at this point is just wait and see what other repercussions are coming. Like what else are they striking from the record in the comics? Obviously not everything because Varian still has his history. We still have that whole history with Garrosh and Thrall. It's just this one little tidbit so far that they've said, nope, that's not canon anymore. But I'm okay with that thing not being canon anymore. Anyway, moving on. Next email is from Alessander, who says, The War of the Ancients took I don't know how many years, but there's no evidence anywhere in quote-unquote modern Azeroth of the Legion having been on Azeroth before, in the form of green stuff everywhere, or barren corrupted areas, plants and animals. Where did it all go? Under the sea in the Maelstrom? Cleansed by the surviving elves somehow? Well, this is a good question. What do you guys think? Uh, there's a lot of wasn't there a lot of area in Night Elf territory that is underwater now? Yes. Right. There's isn't Desolus wasn't Desolus kind of ravaged back in that period? That's why it is Desolus or was Desolus before Cataclysm? I can't remember. I need to look that up. I, and, I think. Um, oh, keep going. Go ahead. Oh well, there's is it War of the Ancients we do in that one dungeon? Uh, from Cataclysm, um, where we're like the Dragon's Hole, the, that whole thing, where we go to where Ashara was. Is that War of the Ancients or is that a different time period? That the Well of Eternity? Is War of the Ancients, I believe. Like a section yeah. of it, yes. Yes. Yeah, so you kind of see it in that dungeon that like, um, I have to watch my language here. I almost said something bad. Um, but the, the area is like all messed up. Um, like things are things are charred and burned and on fire. Um, and the skies are green and the, you know, the well is swirling and that's kind of where stuff, you know, first, like you said, fell into the sea. So I think if you take that kind of as an example, it, it does show that the Legion did have effects where it was. Um, I think just maybe if, as far as War of the Ancient Legion areas go, I think it was either split off and we just have yet to go there or just kind of fell into the sea. Because um, there's also there's the one area in... Ashenvale, where was it Manoroth? Uh, that yeah, and that yeah. was more recent. The whole that showdown with Kron. Yeah, that yeah. I mean that was Warcraft three, but it just goes to show you that like in Warcraft, in area or World of Warcraft, in areas where there has been Legion after War of the Ancients, it's not like those have been scrubbed off the map. So the Legion, if it does have a presence in an area or did have a presence, it still manifested itself. So I I and- think. Based on and, that and the well or of the ancients or well of eternity, most of that stuff just isn't around anymore. For, I, I think. Go ahead, Ann. For the record, going back to Desolus, I needed to double check on this, and I'm glad I did because I was pretty sure that it had nothing to do with the War of the Ancients, and it didn't. Um, the princess from Mardon, when she woke up, she consumed all of the energy and life from that area in order to like sustain herself oh well to there's a generate her form as it were so that's why it's desolate <laughs> anyway. there used to be a bunch of demons there so i just kind of assumed demons did it yeah no the demon i mean there are demons and satyrs and stuff there too like in the one northeast oh yeah 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 and, and that um, area looks demony and so oh and there's the like infernal place too so yeah and yeah, and I think a lot of places where demons were or battles were fought just like, over such a tremendous amount of time either healed naturally or was healed by the countless supernatural forces on Azeroth. Uh, the land the, the ancients themselves. 
the land will recover. And the thing is, is the druids were kind of instated to help that happen, to help facilitate that happening. So, And one really clear sign of the War of the Ancients is the bones of, what is it, Agamagon and the Barons, where Razorfin Downs and Razorfin Crawl is. Yeah. yeah. The lore for that area is that particular ancient was slain by the Burning Legion and its bones now form like the shelter for the Quillbore. That's where he died, basically. Right. Yeah. So, so he, I mean, his presence is there. It's not that the land is necessarily burned. It's not a happy place. I mean, the Quillbore are bad guys, but. Yeah. So there's still signs that the war happened. The, the green stuff just got mopped up a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, it's a bit of everything. Under the sea for some of it, cleansed over time for some of it, and present, but not necessarily in a green charred way for others. Okay, so our next email, it's three different questions, and one of them, actually a couple of them, I believe, involve paladins. Um, Alex, you're familiar with the paladin campaigns and stuff like that, right? I am familiar with it. I have not done the whole thing. Okay. Um, Mitch, are you familiar with the paladin stuff? Uh, Only tangentially, because the paladin order campaign... Is intersects priests. the priest one at one point, and oh. there's something that happens during the paladin one that doesn't happen during the priest, but I know what it is. Uh, okay. So we'll see. Uh, all right. So um, this kind of talks about that. So spoilers, if you haven't played through the paladin class all campaign or whatever, we're going to be delving into that just a little bit. Or, or I haven't. Campaign. Huh? Or, or maybe the death knight campaign too. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, have you done death knight at all? No. Well, I was able to do it on my priest for like a week, and then they hotfixed that. Okay, about uh, you, Alex. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I have not done the Death Knight one, but I have been spoiled on what happens willingly. We may or may not be useless to answer this question. I'm sorry, <laughs> Chiami at Garethos, because, yeah, um, not my classes. I do Shaman, Druid, Rogue. Anyway, uh, he says, I've got three questions for you. First up, who is the Lich King? During the Death Knight campaign, you interact with the new Lich King who sends you to recruit a brand new four horsemen. Um, but these aren't the actions of someone like Bolvar Four Dragon, the actions that are taken in this, but highly resemble the actions of Ar- Arthas Menethil during the Wrath of the Lich King expansion. I think that without delving into spoilers about what the new Lich King does, we can talk about who he is. That is Bolvar. It's very much Bolvar. Um, Arthas I, is gone. I still have my... I think my interpretation, I don't think anybody on staff agrees with, that the Lich King is just all of the people who have been the Lich King. They kind of merge into a consciousness. Yeah, I kind That's of... That's how which, I've interpreted it. It's, it's a little confusing, too, because during Wrath, were they saying it was... Either, like. It, it was Nerzul originally, right? He was the first. Nerzul yeah. was the f- technically Nerzul was the first, yes. Yeah, and they were saying either like Nerzul was completely gone, or Arthas was completely gone, or so- Nerzul in in the Arthas novel, it's established that Nerzul is gone. Okay, but which that's yeah, that's the thing that's confusing is because during Wrath of Lich King, the Lich King refers to himself as Nerzul and as Arthas. But he says, "I was a shaman was... once." That's right. what he says. But so, like, the implication with that line to me was always, I was a shaman once, but not anymore. That's, like, my interpretation was Nerzul wasn't, like, eliminated, and Arthas wasn't eliminated. They just became the Lich King as a united thing. So now that Bolvar is there, there is no Bolvar. There's the Lich King, who is, like, the merging of Nerzul and Arthas and Bolvar. We are Lich King now. So, like, Bolvar <laughs> will, Bolvar may introduce, like, a little more, like, 
nobility or, or righteousness to it, but there's still like these two nasty dudes in there that are playing a role in what the Lich King is. Yeah, and I mean, there were, you know, Arthas was, or I guess the Lich King in the Wrath era was super bad, but when he died, he, Arthas kind of saw his father. Um, but like, there was, you know, sometimes it was like, oh, Arthas is completely gone, that's why he doesn't care about Jaina, but then he did see him, like you do see Arthas talking about, like, I saw only darkness, um, so it's, it's, yeah, I think it's kind of like what you said, Alex, and especially because Bolvar says there must always be a Lich King. Um, he doesn't say there must always be someone wearing the crown. He doesn't say anything else. It's that there must be a Lich King, which, yeah, I think Bolvar has a little bit of control over it. But again, his whole purpose of becoming a Lich King was to use his mental fortitude to kind of keep the undead in check it wasn't to make them into good guys like if if he had full control over everything that you know happens when you put on that helmet we would have a bunch of undead allies he's just keeping them from going like just bat crap crazy the i think well there's a couple of things that i want to talk about here first up bolvar as the lich king the reason bolvar became the lich king was exactly what you said mitch it was it was to hold the scourge in check um, because without the Lich King, they would just run rampant and kill everything without some overwhelming force to keep them in thrall and keep them in check. They would quickly overrun it's, it's the like world. The, the withered army kind of, you have to kind keep of them in check kind of. Yeah. Except that, you know, one it, of it, your withers is escaping. Yeah. It, you don't want the scourge escaping. <laughs> you, you just don't. <laughs> As far as, like, the theories on who's alive, who's not, in the Arthas novel, it established that Ner'zhul was no longer, like, nobody was home on that front. In Wrath of the Lich King, at the end of Wrath of the Lich King, Arthas says, I see only darkness before me, and then he dies. And in the Sylvanas short story, Edge of Night, that came out in Cataclysm, you see Sylvanas... She throws herself off the frozen throne and kills herself and goes to this place of utter and eternal darkness. And she sees Arthas there in whatever afterlife that is. She sees Arthas there. So he's not nobody's home on the Arthas front in the Lich King either. It's just Bolvar. The thing and this is probably I want to say it was one of the second or third columns, Know Your Lurk columns that I did for wow insider back in the day and i talked about the lich king and i talked about the idea the theory of the lich king being an entity outside of anything else it was just this malevolent force that killed Jaden, kind of harnessed and bound to nerzul with the intent of nerzul fulfilling what bolvar's role is right controlling it only nerzul didn't really control it it just kind of said oh now i have a body and i can go do what i want yeah, and, and I, it corrupted I think that makes him a lot of sense. Instead of the other way around, and it was the same thing with Arthas. Nerzul, working with this Lich King entity, suddenly decided, I don't want to be part of this whole Burning Legion thing anymore. No. I mean, you made me and everything, but that doesn't mean I'm cool with you. So it co- corrupted Arthas and made it him into another like instrument, another arm of, you know, a piece of him that could move around because he was stuck in the frozen throne, right? He, it, whatever you want to call it. And I feel like, I feel like every Lich King 
since then. And I mean, there's only been three. There's been Nerzul, there's been Arthas, there's been Bolvar. But I think all three of them kind of run into that area where it's like, is it really them anymore? Or is it that malevolent entity? And again, I feel like... this is all theory. This is all theory. It's not canon. Can I, can I give my theory, which isn't a theory so much as a I wish they would retcon something? Sure. I like the idea of the Lich King as an entity that is unrelated to the Burning Legion in any way. Yeah, I don't think it's related to the Burning Legion. Like, I, I don't think, think that it, it may have started with... No, um, I think that it was floating out in some strange dimension or another. Jaden happened upon it and said, hey, I want to use this thing. And like made something out of it. And it quickly got out of his control. And I mean, here's kind of like... I feel like it's something that should have been like an ancient Azerothian power and just like not it's like, okay. So the burning Legion put it there for Arthas to find or somebody to find or whatever. If you think back to Warcraft three, the burning Legion put a warning label on it. <laughs> Why? Whoever draws this sword, blah, blah, yada, yada. Right. Yeah, they the just... Burning Legion put a warning label on it. Okay, like, but did, Why would they do that? Did the burning Legion do that? Or did the Lich King set that up? Well, to like uh, tempt just... somebody into, hey, so if you take this thing, terrible things are going to happen. Thus guaranteeing that the person who actually picked up that thing was somebody who would be okay with the idea of terrible things happening. I mean, haven't we been explicitly told the Burning Legion did this thing? Haven't we been explicitly told the Burning Legion made the crown in Frostmourne? The Helm of Domination, yeah. We've been yeah. told that, like, that was... Basically, he took Ner'zhul and fused him with this helm thing and made him into the Lich King. My idea, that where my theory comes in, is that the helm and the sword, they already existed. Like, Kil'jaeden didn't make those things. He didn't go have some evil, evil Legion blacksmith somewhere. Hey, can you make me a hat? No, he didn't do that. He just encountered them and said, wow, this is dark. This is beyond dark. And this is kind of gross. And I think we could totally make that work for us. Let's just shove Nurzul in there and see what happens. Because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you got to think, if he did have an evil blacksmith, why not do this more? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, hey, I, I learned from my mistakes the first time. Now I have better control. Let's if, make another one. If all of this, if all of this was Kill Jaden's doing, then why did the Lich King turn? Was Nerzul's will great enough that he was able to turn, you know, himself on the Legion? I don't think so. I think there was something else working there. I mean, yeah. again, none of it's been confirmed. Maybe Chronicle Volume Two will go into that. Coming March 2017. Yeah, it may, maybe it will because we'll be up caught up to that time period theoretically. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, well, I'm interested one, to see what they say. I have kind of a spin-off question. Sure. Where where does the sword like come into all of this? Um, because the sword's broken now. So do you right. think without the sword, Bolvar has more control than maybe Arthas had, or does is it all in the crown? Like, I feel like the sword was like? just like a soul Hoover, essentially. Well, but, but it was. But in Warcraft three, like Arthas got the sword before he got the crown, and the this sword is true. corrupted. This is yeah, true. it was the sword that it was like an extension of him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, was it was it just the crown was like projecting itself into the sword, or was the sword like you know part one well, of the two? Lich, yeah, the Lich King was able to talk to Arthas, like able to communicate without Arthas being at the frozen throne or having the helm or anything else. There was just this kind of nebulous line of communication, and I think maybe Frostmourne helped facilitate that. Okay, but. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's no real answer here. But I'm there just, is. I just, I'm just kind of curious now, thinking on it, it hadn't really occurred to me before that, like, the sword 
could have been like the you know part of the set piece that is the sword and the crown, or it could have just been something that the crown was projecting into. And we don't, I don't really know. know. But um, Chiume, I know that doesn't really answer your question as far as who <laughs> is the Lich King, but that's because we don't really have a definitive answer. All we have are theories. I would say keep an eye out for Chronicle Volume Two and pick it up because the answers may be in there or at least slightly more clarification than we've had previously. Anyway, so uh, question two, question two from Chumi is this is the one that's kind of the paladin related, but death Knight related, but maybe a little bit of both. Uh, they, they ask, do you think we'll ever see consequences for our actions of turning Nazgrim and King Thoris Trollbane into death Knights and attacking the paladins class order hall? This is a death Knight thing. I'm assuming. I didn't realize that was part of the Paladin, because that aspect of the Paladin Order Hall does not come up in the Priest campaign. Does it come up in the Paladin campaign, Alex? Or is I, this just a Death Knight thing? I think it's just a Death Knight thing, but I could be very wrong, because mm. while, like, I have not played the whole Paladin thing. Maybe it comes up at some point. I haven't heard any Paladins bring it up and see that they would. Right. Uh, what the Death Knights attempt there has no actual impact on Paladins at all. So I don't think it's there. Right. Uh, it's it's the Death Knights that are kind of hoisted by their own petard in that situation. Okay. I am, uh, you know, the biggest impression that I'm getting from this email right now is that I really need to, like, level a Death Knight and experience all of this. Because I need it to sounds do absolutely... so many class campaigns still. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, there I've are. Got, I've got Shaman Druid and I'm working on Rogue. And, yeah, I there, there's so many classes. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like when I look at all of my characters, Death Knight is pretty low on my list of ones I want to do, like the priority list. It's it's pretty low down there. I don't have a whole lot of interest in it. I feel like Rossi would have some more additional insight on this one, so maybe I'll shelve this question. I'm so sorry I didn't know no, no. Rossi. No, no, it's okay. I may shelve this question and bring it back for the next episode. And I'm curious. Get Rossi's too. thoughts yeah. on it, because I'm really curious what he'd think um however question number three is pretty much applicable to all of us i think um question number three is do you believe it was a wise decision of turning players into faction leaders we aren't faction leaders we're class leaders and that's a different thing but it, it still stands that question still stands do you think it was a good idea to turn us the roving hero into these leaders what do you guys think um, um yeah let's go ahead I'm curious how they're going to handle the terribly named Legion armies of Legion Fall or whatever reputation in 7.2. Uh, because it's like, well, the faction, the, the Order Hall leaders came together. It's like, well, how are they going to implement but that? But that's like, me. <laughs> am I? Like, how do I communicate with the other leaders? Does it mean a player is not like the leader of the mages and it's just going to be an NPC? but I'm still the leader of the warriors or whatever. Like I, I think it'll sort of feel like the AQ war effort where it was like Alliance and horde are working together, but like the horde didn't go into Alliance areas and vice versa. It was just kind of like both sides are working towards collecting rune cloth and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe with, you know, slightly larger emphasis on, Hey, like a priest can go, talk to the paladin encampment or something like that I, again i have no idea how this is going to look like what the layout of the zone is going to be um it is interesting though i just i i have no idea how they're going to handle it I, I think it works fine when it's kind of this sequestered single player narrative where, like i go to my order hall but if they're bringing all of it out into a zone and these orders kind of have to interact but 
I, when you say specifically mentioned like, oh, this is the command center building which you can build, and this is where the the, the twelve order hall leaders come together too. It's like, okay, there's gonna be me and who? I think it's gonna be really funny if like I, you know, I know you play a paladin, Alex, where you know your paladin is the leader of the class hall as far as you're concerned, but everybody else Warriors walks in there and like Johnny much. Awesome is standing there. Yeah, yeah. I lead now. <laughs> How I, is that going to work? I don't know. Yeah. Do you get ambassadors? I, is that what this is? Is it like a group of ambassadors from each of the class things and they all report to you? And, and if, if this like, is the case, why would you, as leader of your class, theoretically, need to gain reputation with these people? Or are you just gaining reputation with all of the other assorted classes, not I, I just think your own? All of the other, like, I think you're sort of gaining reputation with the collective of um, – races yeah but you're good with your class, class, class but all of these other yeah classes. like the the order of the legion fall or whatever the heck it is like that is the faction that represents all of the classes um it, it's sort of like like you said you zone into your class hall you're the leader but then there's you know even if there's not phasing issues there's still like 50 other people in there that are also the leaders and if you're out in the world it's not alonza's foul helping you it's like some sort of unnamed priest. Um, I honestly, though, I think it's fine. I, I think it was a wise decision because it kind of extended on the garrison system in that you were like commander of the Alliance or com- leader. I don't know if it was commander of the horde or what it was called, but, um, but it, it makes it, you know, it presents the unique opportunity of having 12 different experiences. Um, I don't think it's like it's not creating too many narrative things like we've been dealing with the game where players kill end bosses and it's like a group of heroes is the like official lore thing lore explanation of how that boss fell. Um, And I think right now they're telling individual stories within the classes that still work and the overall thing can kind of just be like faction or class leaders came together to destroy the league. Um, So I I think it I think it works really well. Um, But yeah, I don't have an issue with it. Any more thoughts, Alex? I'm just trying to think if they put in like a seri- like an emissary for the classes, right? If they just picked somebody from each order hall to be the representative if you're not playing that class. If you're not playing a warrior, is like Odin just going to be in there being a giant jerk? <laughs> Boy, I hope not. I mean, because they established that guy is huge. So in the Greetings, Order of the Legion Fall. Here's another trial. Thanks for taking in... care of Helga for me. Now I'm able to just chill down here on the Broken Shore with you guys. So, so all of these normal-sized NPCs from all the other classes are going to be hanging out in this building. There's going to be Odin with his head sticking through the roof and his beard burning the building down. I don't know how that's going to work. I, yeah, I don't know. That part is a little like interesting. Who I will actually see as the paladin, warrior, etc., class leader while i'm at the order of the legion fall i hope that's what it's actually called otherwise we're saying saying the wrong thing i know something silly there's something with the word legion fall i think it was i think it was like the armies of the legion fall or something like that it was Um, some words it was some awful word salad (laughs) word salad that's what we have to look forward to no um we'll presumably figure out more of this over time as that patch hits the pt i'm I'm still really excited for it though yeah me too sounds like an awesome i love um, I love Keldanos, and this sounds. And like I like I that. like the fact that we're going back to where we started and giving them what for because that was kind of demoralizing to start the expansion with that. Yeah, just uh, a little bit. Just a little bit. So uh, we got time for a couple more questions. Uh, this one is from Misguided One, who is a 110 Beastmastery Hunter on Thrall US. 
who says, Greetings, travelers. Had an odd thought. Has anyone else noticed that our heroes are essentially Walter White to the inhabitants of Suramar? Think about it. We supply a bunch of addicts with blue mana and crystal form. Big blue. Anyways, you asked that these are brief, so I'll just leave it there for you to discuss. <laughs> Sincerely, the one who knocks. Misguided one. What uh, do you guys difference, think? Uh, ancient mana keeps them alive. Not getting ancient mana turns them into meth addicts. Yeah, also Whereas Walter, Walter White, White turns people into meth addicts. So we're he like was, the reverse Walter White. He was yeah. a bit of a sociopath too. Um he was all in it for, he well, he was in it for his family. Um but he kind of was also in it for himself. And Very he much he, he continued doing what he was doing because of the thrill of it and not not uh, you know, he justified it by saying I'm getting money for my family, but he could have stopped a long time ago. He was he had fun doing the chemistry, making the money, being powerful. We are doing this to help. Ultimately, our goal is to help these people who need our help. And I think ultimately, we would all prefer if we didn't have to keep farming up ancient mana to feed them. Yes. Uh which actually like once you finish the the uh, like 7.0 stuff, I think you don't need it to feed Thelrissa and them. Um, They're all there. Yeah, I still really didn't I'm ashamed because I haven't done the 7.1 stuff because I still I gave oh, no, up. No, I haven't. I haven't done the 7.1 stuff. I haven't, I haven't finished. Been... I haven't finished the Suramar storyline just like, yet. I'm like almost that... done with it, but we had BlizzCon show up, so. Yeah. <laughs> I got that area full of elites. I did one of the quests in that area, and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to do this area anymore, and I left, and I never went back. That's it. Goes back to the group finder question, man. It's not that. It's not as bad as you think. I just have to go do. I have to go do the mythics, and then I'm sure there's some stuff after that. But I need yeah. to go do the mythics. It's just I haven't done much of the seven one stuff, but like the seven stuff that you could do before seven one. Um, at the end of it, I'm pretty sure you don't need to feed Delrissa and the other ones like every couple of days. Like that's kind of where it ends off, which is really cool. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, it just got to that elite part, and I did one of the quests. I'm like, actually, this area isn't very fun, and I left, and I didn't feel the compulsion to go back. I just remember that area was very not much, not fun. It it was yeah, it's still not easy, but like if you get a group, it's people just plow through things. The area was a, a little bit silly, Liz. It it's part of that too is because that area is literally the Court of Stars dungeon, so they're trying to make it feel like the dungeon. Like it it wouldn't be it would make not much sense if you went there out in the real world and everything just got plowed over and then the dungeon was in the exact same spot and they it's were a, it's harder. a very dangerous area to just wander around in yeah it was just given that the rest of suramar was this solo narrative suddenly being thrown into this place without any warning was like wait what yeah, I mean, in and of itself, I see why the Court of Stars area out in the world is tough, but going from that solo questing to Court of Stars kind of with no warning, yeah, it does feel a little bit like, wait, what? And especially because at that point in the quest series, you don't have access to Court of Stars, so no. you don't know that Court of Stars is that area full of elite, so it's just... I was Yeah, like, I was kind of wondering if I was doing something wrong or went to the wrong place, but I didn't. That area just sucks. Yeah. Anyway, we, we got a little off topic there, but I, I don't think we're Walter White. No. I, I still think it's a it's a good question, though. I mean, oh, no, it's a great question. I, I, I enjoyed the question. Anyway, I, I like how we're we're actually like we're a reverse Walter White. Yeah, we're not Walter White. We're Barry Black. <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, 
I think that's going to wrap us up for emails this time. But since I'm hosting the show and Rossi isn't, I'm going to do what I usually do on Lore Watch. And I'm going to ask you guys for uh, a closing thoughts question for you to weigh in on. It's a quick question. Um, obviously, Warlords of Draenor, we went through and we were garrison leaders. and We were like leaders of our, our campaigns on Draenor. And then we get to Legion and we're the leaders of our classes. We're like these now we're mega huge, right? Where do we go from here? Uh, we join the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a good. That's a good answer. Um, I enjoy that. What about you, Mitch? We work our way up to becoming the new Titans. Oh boy, like mini Titans. Yeah, I mean now we're like we got. Oh, we got to be. We have to be Watchers first every Titans. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's like, oh, the Titans are dead. We didn't know that until now. Someone needs to take up the mantle of Titan. Ooh. We shall call you Nephilim. <laughs> oh boy. And that's how Diablo began. Da, da, da. No. Um, all right then. Well, that kind of wraps us up for t- this week, I guess. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast through the queue, and an ads free site experience. And again, if you want to go ahead and sign up, with loot crate this month november's enchanting theme is magical and you can get a whole selection of stuff from dr strange fantastic beasts and where to find them big trouble in little china and plenty more just go to lootcratecom bw and enter the code bw to save three dollars off on any new subscription today um thanks guys for tuning in we will be back next week same time same place if you have an email for the podcast, please send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Make sure you include Blizzard Watch in the subject line so we know which podcast it's intended for. That will wrap us up for the show, and we will see you guys next week. 